Lord. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Troubled times, Lord. Truly, truly troubled times. This panic. No government seems to have a handle on this. No government with all the power, might, resources are at their wit's end. But Father, you are never surprised. You are never out of control. You are sovereign over all the affairs of men. There is nothing that moves in this universe without you knowing, without you allowing, without you being in perfect control. We have the privilege and the honor to call you Father. So Father, I pray our hearts will be lifted to you as children look to their Father in faith, in assurance, in loving confidence, in awe and in reverence. And we pray, Father, speak to us. Speak to us. We need to hear from you, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us. Speak, Father. Help us not to be troubled, to be anxious for nothing. That our fears subside and faith arise. That we will be able to hear what you are telling us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of today's message is, Hear, Do Not Fear. The only way you will not fear is if you hear from God. It's like little children, you know, the power goes and they're alone in the room and they're afraid and they scream, Daddy! And you hear the father's voice saying, I'm there. Then thunder doesn't matter, lightning doesn't matter, darkness doesn't matter because that voice gave you assurance. About any time in our, in my lifetime, this is a time people need to hear from God and not from man. Even President Trump cannot calm the markets. No. Nobody seems to be able to bring any semblance of calm. People are panicking because we are living in literally biblical times, unprecedented times. There are two, two levels people are going. Either it's absolute panic or ignorant complacency. Okay. Like, the young people jumping in the sea in Florida. They don't care. So finally the governor had to say, go back home. Okay, you're spreading the virus. So it's like either ignorant complacency or absolute panic. And one of the reasons why I say is because the world which you and I live in right now is a completely different world from any time of mankind. It's simply because of the telecom revolution that has taken place. Once TV, radio, I have to put it that way, radio, TV and internet. Because there are a lot of people who listen to FM. You may think more than TV. Lots of people listen to FM and TV. And then of course, the young generation is internet. And it has changed the world. And there is so much information and so much misinformation out there. Both medical and spiritual. At a time like this, because when you have a pandemic, a pestilence, a plague, there will be so much of medical advice. and Everybody becomes a doctor, whether they have a degree or not. Okay, So, the common man gives medical advice, the nurse gives the medical advice, the MBBS doctor gives, 
the md gives the what you call a epistemologist right no yeah epidemiologist okay he's the expert in epidemics so he gives another everybody seems to be on like you know like listen to me and there is so much spiritual advice also okay from cow's urine to cow dung to you know it's also all kinds of spiritual advice is saying you know do this do that uh, so information and misinformation i have to address this issue as a servant of god and not as a physician like a spiritual point of view from the word of god it's not a point of view god doesn't have points of view he just speaks you take it and live you ignore it and die okay he doesn't have a opinion okay we have opinions god does not have opinions when he speaks he speaks the truth like i said why is this pandemic different or this plague pestilence even the terms the bible uses bible uses terms like plagues and pestilences and modern medical term is pandemic epidemic plus pandemonium put together you have pandemic okay that's my reading of it one of the reasons this epidemic or pandemic is different from all time because there are certain things that is in the bible can happen only at certain times they are time specific they cannot happen always simply because of the scale of it because from the book of genesis all the way to the book of revelation the bible talks of plagues and unlike any young man sitting there right in the front unlike any major calamity that has happened in human history including the greatest world war 2 nothing has touched as many countries as this epidemic even world war 2 did not affect so many countries please understand that because that is not in our lifetime my mother is in here but at least her lifetime she's running going to be 85 so she has seen india's independence she has been part of the world war i've heard from my grandfather how it was the world war and no stories so there is a generation that is alive still who knows what world war 2 was like but world war 2 never created any of this havoc in hyderabad or you know there was no panic no lockdown nothing like that you know so even in our own time ages when india fought pakistan 71 war no the last one kerala was not even touched because their planes never would have that range but kerala is a first state to shut down okay so shut down you have heard about curfew <coughs> entire state of rajasthan is under curfew parts of sikkim are under curfew there are lots of places that are coming in that states coming under curfew okay so you need to understand the last event comparable to the, what is happening today what do you think is the last event that is comparable to this you know what it is it is noah's flood nothing else the last event 
that is comparable to this meaning it's this is a world wide pandemic that was something world wide and what is common when that happened everybody in the world knew you did not need telecom for that everybody you knew because you water touched everybody today this pandemic everybody knows so when something like this happens please perk your ears stand up and take notice because god is not whispering or calling he is shouting for our attention our different ways the church and the world and one of the question i keep getting asked especially during this season all the time even till last night people calling to ask pastor is this the end <laughs> is this the end well i say if you don't take precautions this could be your end <laughs> <laughs> this could be your end but this my answer is end of what because the end of everything is usually also the beginning of something okay the end of the world as we see it definitely is getting closer and closer but if you ask me if this is the end personally looking into scripture i don't know and i don't think so i think we are getting close but this is not the end but the kingdom of god is very very close it's literally like he's at the door and jesus called this labor pains okay but the problem is like i said end of what and beginning of what end of your life is the beginning of judgment right it's appointed unto every man to die once and judgment so the end of life is the beginning of judgment that's how you have to see if it is the end of the world it is the beginning of the kingdom see we hear these uh, what you call very good instructions absolutely and please follow it wash your hands cover your face stay home maintain social distance physical distance and we are willing to follow it spend time money resources in buying masks you know, going around the city looking for a mask sanitizers we are willing to do all that okay because we are seeing it as the end of our body our life in this body but in connected with the end <clears throat> that's why i ask people end of what if we were to say repent then people get upset in the church and in the world they actually get mad that's why you will look through the newspapers tv channels internet most messages on the church you will not hear that word but if you read the bible whenever there was a calamity a plague a pestilence a judgment the word that was spoken was repent okay 
You can't change the nature of God. <coughs> there are pastors who are preaching that uh, this pestilence is basically caused by germs. Okay, and it is not a judgment of God. So God is God over everything except germs. Germs have an independent existence from God. Okay. It's like the joke I heard long time back. <clears throat> the professor saying in his biology class, God told after the fifth day, sixth day to all the creatures, be fruitful and multiply. <clears throat> And one set of them said, we will not multiply. We will only divide. That was the amoeba. <laughs> but God had the laughs, last laugh. So he said, you multiply by division. They thought he didn't know math. Okay. <clears throat> so there are a lot of preachers who are trying to change the character of God, the nature of God, trying to teach him. Like I keep telling in every meeting that we are not God's PR people. We don't, see you know what PR is, right? Public relations department, prime ministers, presidents all have PR people to make them look better than they actually are. I am not God's PR man. Man, my job is try to shrink as far as possible and present him as much within my ability as he is. We don't have to play PR. So the question is, is God the God of plagues? Yes, he is. He's the God of plagues. Let's look at a portion in Habakkuk chapter 3. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, his glory covered the heavens. And the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was the light. And he had rays flashing from his hand. And there his power was hidden. So it's absolutely clear this is God. Before he went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. So disease and symptom both are given. Okay. okay. And then he stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and everlasting mountains were scattered and the perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. Okay. So he's the God of pestilences. He's the God of plagues. Because after the plague will come what? Famine will come. I'm telling you. After the plague will come, famine. Be prepared. I mean, this is the time to sit back. If you are free, listen to all the old messages. We've been preparing a church and our churches and the world that listens to prepare for a time like this. So you cannot say, I, I did not know. I was not warned. <clears throat> because after pestilence comes, famine. Famine, famine means shortage. Shortage. Famine. Already we see famine. Shortage of masks. Shortage of sanitizers. Shortage of medical equipment. Shortage of ventilators. Shortage. Yeah. See vitamin. Everything. Yeah. Most of the people who died like uh, official term number. Italy's death has gone over China's. And you know why? It is simply because of shortage of ventilators. Medical hospitals are overwhelmed by the need. So famine in a particular thing. Okay, but we are talking about famine generally. Why I'm saying it is because this is the famous chapter, Habakkuk chapter 3. This is at the end of it where he says, though I see nothing, 
no fig tree, cattle, no harvest, nothing. But I shall rejoice and praise the Lord and he shall make. So remember, before comes God, before him goes pestilence, famine follows pestilence. And the man of God stands there and see, when I look with my eyes, it's dry. You clean the earth out. But I will stand there and I will praise you and I will worship you and you will make me stronger. In the time of famine, you will actually make me stronger. When people are not able to walk in famine, I will climb. <coughs> okay, I will climb. I was sharing with a few people. I don't know whether I preached it, but I was sharing with few people. <coughs> when Elijah was asked by God to speak, not prophesy, speak, command that there will be no rain or dew in Israel until the word of the Lord comes from his mouth again. God did not give when he spoke for a specific time, but we know from history now it was three and a half years. So what he proclaimed over Israel was drought. Heavens are shut down completely. Land goes dry, drought comes, and the result of drought is famine. Famine is the result of drought. Okay? Famine is the result of drought. The drought did not end for three and a half years. But the famine never touched Elijah. Please understand these fundamental principles. Drought is one thing. Famine is one thing. Even if God doesn't take away the drought, he will feed those who trust him. The drought did not end. But for Elijah at Kerit, the famine did not touch him. Then he moved into a poor widow's house and because he walked in and she welcomed him, the famine ended in that house too. The drought never ended for three and a half years. But there were three people in that country who were untouched by the famine that followed. Understand fundamental principles so that when these times come, we know how to stand and the only thing that matters is, do you really believe? That's what I said, don't fear. We need to hear because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So famine will come. <clears throat> so what we see out in the world is to what length man is willing to go to save his body. But what about our soul? What about our soul? The Bible talks such a lot about plagues and pestilence and famine and of people who came through it or perished in it, both. But all these are issues that only will concern us in this life. I didn't give it to you, but if you go to Revelation chapter 21, 3 and 4. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So there is a time coming when there is no famine, no pestilence, no plague, no death, no sorrow, no pain, nothing. So, even if you don't come through this plague, 
you should come to this place. Even if you come through this plague, but you don't come to this place, still it does not matter. That's why God calls the rich man, you fool. You fool. You saved your body. What about your soul? What about your soul? And through these plagues and pestilences, God is drawing our attention to the importance of our salvation of our souls. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, all the stuff we see is happening in this world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Okay? Now there's no pestilence happening in Mars. Or not even in the moon. Nobody's worth worried about a war in moon or an earthquake in Neptune. Nobody's. Everything that has been prophesied is connected with this world. This world. And scripture says, there's only one way you overcome this world. It's by faith. And if you are born of God by faith, you are called to overcome everything that is happening in this world. By faith and through faith. And faith comes from hearing. Hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And that's our struggle. Our struggle. Shouldn't be a struggle for you now because we have learned at least to hear a message for an hour and a half. But it's not that I'm talking about. You can hear a message for two hours and not hear from God. So the most important thing, especially in the last days, is to hear from God. And God keeps on in the in the final book in the Bible is about the what will happen in the last days. And over and over the refrain is all those who have ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says. So when it says it's by faith we overcome, please note this. Faith is not a denial of facts. It is not an abuse. Common sense. No, it's not. And often people presume or confuse presumption with faith. Okay. Presumption is thinking God said. Faith is knowing what God said. Okay. Faith is not a denial of facts. The reality in which we live in. One of the simple things what I mean is just please wash your hands. I'm a child of God, so it does not matter. It does matter. Okay. Understand scripture very, very, very clearly how life works. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus to jump from the top of the temple, he didn't. What it means is, Lot of people will try to jump. But it is foolishness to force God's hand. Trust or faith never applies tricks to prove the one we trust is trustworthy. It's one thing to take a bold step of faith because we have heard and another to test the Lord. So please Follow the guidelines given by appropriate authorities. Follow the guidelines. Okay? Bible is a very practical book too. Full of faith. 
and full of practical advice. In Matthew 10 and verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. What he's saying is, when you're persecuted in one city, don't stand there and say, the anointing of God is over me. I'm a child of God. I rebuke you in Jesus. They will kill your head. Take your head out. Run, he said, run. Just run. Next city, run from the city to the next city. Keep running. It's practical advice. I had this best friend of mine in college. and He had a black belt in karate. Really good guy in this thing. So I asked him, when he joined the dojo for this, what is the first thing they taught you? He said, run. <laughs> it's not fight. It's run. Okay. So the Bible is very practical because they pro- probably wouldn't have expected Jesus to say that. He says, when you're persecuted, you know, uh, in one city, this chakra will come and you can throw it and you can cut the heads of your enemies. He said, run. Okay. Lord, I am your child and there is pandemic. Should I wash my... He says, wash. How many times? As many times as they have told you, wash. Should I wear a mask? Yes. You are not breathing the Holy Spirit out. You are breathing in viruses. So wear a mask in public space. Okay, be very practical. Okay, because don't test the Lord thy God. Jesus is very, very clear. Okay. John chapter 8 verse 59 is a very anticlimax. If you read that verse, very, it's really anticlimax. They took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself. That's not what we want to read. We want to say he lifted his hands and they all fell backwards. No. Scripture says Jesus hid himself. What an anticlimax, right? The Bible is very practical. Did he have the power? Yes. Did he ever doubt he was the son of God? No. Did he create everything by the power of his word? Yes. Did he hide himself? Yes. Okay. So be very practical. Okay. Don't presume. Don't be foolish. Okay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32 to 33, Paul will talk about an episode that happened in his life earlier. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. He was not saying that, you know, if you send an angel for Peter, I am no lesser than Peter. I will wait here. He got into the first basket that escaped. See, we have all these false ideas when we think about because we have seen so many movies and Amar Chitra Kada with you know, we all think about Paul with this halo around walking like this. No, he was sitting hiding in a basket over the wall and he ran for his life. These are great apostles. Okay. So please don't mistake presumption for faith. Wash your hands. Cover your face in public places. Avoid public places unless necessary. Isolate yourself. Stock essentials. Don't hoard stock. Okay? No, I don't have to stock. Because I'm a child of the living God. And manna will come into my house. 
Okay. I'm not saying manna will not come, but for that you need to be very sure you have heard. Okay. But I do not deny the hand of God. He can work in all ways. But I'm saying as long as you have been very clearly, specifically heard, be balanced. Okay. Also, please note this. There are different judgments in the Bible. The plagues, different judgments of God. Certain judgments are different from the rest of the judgments. So you have to be very, very careful. Don't presume you know what is happening or I know what is happening. So, be wise. In Ezekiel 21, verse 3 to 5, this is what God says to his own people. And say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you. And I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you, therefore my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from south to north. That all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of his sheath and it shall not return anymore. So there are certain, so don't presume I am part of the righteous. I am safe from God's judgment. The judgment is only for the unrighteous. God says, be very, don't be too sure. Don't be too sure. Okay. In certain situations, when God raises his, raises his sheet, uh, sword out of his, removes his sword from the scabbard or the sheath, what happens? The righteous and the unrighteous die. Okay. So there are faces of judgment. So even if you are righteous, beware. Be even more righteous. Cling to him. In certain faces of God's judgment, it does not matter where you are. Right now, if you look at 165, 75, 85 countries, this plague has reached. The few places left is some remote islands in the Pacific and all. Okay. And if they are sitting there secure, a wind can blow the virus there too, if God wants. This no. Okay, please. So, because people will realize, honestly, I also think, okay, if you are in the countryside with a self-sufficient campus, we can, uh, what, quarantine ourselves until this virus is over, all that you think, which is okay, rational thinking. But the problem is, the word of God says something else. Ezekiel 7.15 The sword is outside, and the pestilence and famine within. Whoever is in the field will die by the sword. Whoever is in the city, famine and pestilence will devour him. He says, it doesn't matter whether you're in the countryside or the city. Once I have raised my hand, there is no safety. Outside the hand of God, there is no safety. Let me tell you one of, now all of you are big and your children are not here, so it's a good advice to give because the children are not here, otherwise they will learn a trick. When I was small, one of the, my regular supplies I got was constant whacking from my father. It was constant. Like, we hardly went without. I think that's how we got exercise also. Okay, I, I used to get caned nicely. But after some time I realized, yes, you are tall enough. Come here, Ravi. Okay, come here. Come, Ravi, tall. Okay, come this side, okay. You lift your hand. 
You don't whack me, but lift your hand, okay? When he's lifting, one of the, after some time I realize is that when my father is getting ready to spank me, the closer I cling to him, the lesser the effect is. <laughs> Which is true. The further you stand, have you got a whack with the tip of the cane? My God, it hurts. Okay? The closer you stand, the effect is less. So when the hand of God rises over nations in judgment, cling to him closer. Cling to him closer. The less effective it will be upon your own lives. Don't run farther away from him. Run to him. Cling to him. Okay? Cling to him. So now we have established the fact The God of blessings is also the God of pestilences, plagues, earthquakes and famines and wars, earth, everything. He's God of all. The question is, only mercy will prevail. Don't presume. Don't presume. One of those young days, for the first time, I got whacked for something I didn't do. That's a a very rare occasion. Usually when I got, I deserved it. But once I hadn't done anything, some child went and complained, you did this, your sir, your son did this. I got a whacking of my life. It was not so bad like other ones, but this time my self-righteousness was hurt. (laughs) You see... You see, I hadn't done anything wrong. So I was, the pain didn't matter. The hurt was inside. So I ran from my house. It's in the mountains. I wandered for some time. There was this military training ground. Near that was a small cave. As a young boy, I discovered the cave, went inside, fell asleep. My mother went mad. She went all around the town, every street, every gully, every shop, asking my father, Unmoved. <laughs> calling out my name, calling out my name. I was nowhere to be found and I was fast asleep. See, these towns in Bhutan are like simple. Every town, river the here, river here. There's only one way you can get out if you want to run from the town. You have to pass the bridge where there are the police. My father just took the telephone and called up that place and if an Indian boy comes, stop him. That's all. And he went back to his work. My mother is running around, running around all the time. My father is totally unmoved. If you look at him unmoved, you will think that he doesn't care at all. Actually, he cares. He only made one call and that was enough. Afternoon or something, I opened my eyes and I heard my sound. Somebody screaming my sound and looked out. It is my mother. So my mother caught me, cried everything and then she took me, locked me up in somebody's bathroom. I said, your father's temper is still high, so wait. I will let you loose later. So she, evening she came and opened the bathroom door and she told me one thing. I know your father very well. If you don't want to get the spanking of your life, do one thing. Just go straight, fall at his feet and ask for mercy. It was good advice. I straight went, fell at his feet and said mercy. And he didn't whack me. Let me tell you, when judgments of God roll, the only thing that can save us is mercy. Mercy. 
Jesus, that was a problem with the book of Job. He's questioning God. Am I not righteous? One thing he forgot is to cry out for mercy. So when finally God stands up and speaks, he says, mercy, mercy, mercy. I repent in ashes. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Okay. Good he went through that because we learned from it. If he had in chapter 2 asked for mercy, then the book would have had only two chapters. <laughs> so please, with God, start with mercy. Don't end with mercy. Start with mercy. Like Noah did. New creation. Everything is finished. Comes out the ark. Builds an altar. Offers a sacrifice saying, Lord, thank you for your mercy over my life. So begin with mercy. Because only mercy of God will prevail. Mercy of God will prevail. So even when you pray, be very clear and be very sure. Mercy is a large part of your prayer. But we need a solution. Right? We can't go through an epidemic. After this epidemic, another will come. Famine will come. Wars will come. So we need a solution. And the solution is only from God. The solution has to be given by God. Very familiar portion. Everybody is speaking that. So I also have to speak that because that is the solution. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Of course, 91 will come after this. Verse 12 onwards, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Okay. At the best point in Solomon's life, best point, he's talking about the worst days that will happen. God is interesting, right? Imagine Hepzibah comes to me and says, Uncle, Uncle, here, see, I got first rank. And then I look and says, when you fail and you don't get a job, don't forget to come to me. Right? That's God. That's the best day in Solomon's life. The temple has been constructed, dedicated. The presence of God has filled. Everybody stops worship because the shaken of glories. And in the night, God comes and says, okay, I've chosen this place. I've heard your prayer. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land. That's what's happening in one part of the world. From Pakistan border, Punjab onwards, all the way to East Africa. Locusts are eating away the harvest. Or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So that's a solution. There's no solution outside God. And if you read it carefully, the solution lies with us and not with the world. The world has no solution. Well, that's no solution. The American Congress and the President all together is planning to put in one trillion dollars into the system to boost. But the stock market even crashed under the 900 points yesterday. Okay. 
three years of gain is all gone in one week, two weeks, gone. Everything is gone. They have no solution. These are all man-made solutions are not going to handle God-made disasters. For God-made disasters, you need God-made solutions. And solution is not in their hand. Solution is in God's hand and only God's people know it. So he didn't say the world. He says, my people. Okay. But before you go into the solution, you also have to realize what God said. He says, when I stop the rain or send the locusts or pestilence, So you always have to realize what is the purpose behind something like this? Why does God send something like this? Remember the first time the word plague is used in the Bible is found in Genesis 12. Verse 17. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. The Egyptian king had taken Abraham's wife through whom the promised seed is supposed to come. God plagued his whole house so that he would let her go. They are all astrologers, magicians and all soothsayers and everybody is sitting over there and they will check and they realize it's got to do this woman. This one woman, his harem is full of women taken from other men. But this one woman has created all this trouble. Let her go. Let her go. Do you know why God allows these things to happen? So that his people will come out, out of the Pharaoh's palace and worship him and serve him alone. From the first time God sent a plague in the Bible, the plague was so that his people would leave Babylon or Egypt and worship him alone. So please understand, otherwise we are missing The book of Exodus is a book of plagues. The book of plagues. And the only purpose behind each one of those plagues or pestilences was let Israel, my people, go that they might worship me and serve me. The first three plagues, Egypt also experienced, Israel also experienced. Then in the fourth plague, this is what God said. And the gods, the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before the Pharaoh as he comes out, out to the water. Then say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, into your houses. The houses of Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am God in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people, and tomorrow this sign shall be. So in the fourth plague, the fourth plague becomes two signs. One, sign of pestilence upon Egypt. Two, that God is making a separation between Egypt and his people. Okay? Right now we are not seeing that distinction, but we can have that distinction. Okay? And the final and the deadliest plague 
us. Exodus 12 and verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This was the worst and the most important. All the other would only cause primarily physical and economic damage. This will cost you a life. This will cost you a life. So even in this plague, by chance you catch the coronavirus. Don't die without blood over your home and your life. Don't die without being under the blood. So you will see consistently God has plagues, God has reasons, God has solutions. In Exodus 32 verse 35, So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. That's why the stock market is down. Because the calf is outside the stock market. It's a bull. Okay. If you start worshipping money, God says, I will plague you. I didn't call my people to worship money. I called my people to worship me. You don't serve money, you serve me. You worship me, you don't worship money. So Aaron made it and God plagued. In Numbers chapter 16, let's leave 16 aside and we will go to Numbers 25, 8. Okay, we'll come back to 16 later anyway. He went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. Why I'm saying is that in each one of these cases of plagues, somebody had to take drastic action before the plague stopped. The plagues did not stop on its own. Either the Pharaoh had to relent, somebody had to die. Either you had to repent or die. O house of Israel, why should you die? Okay. We know the plague that came upon Israel because David numbered the people. Pride set him. That's one way it is good. We num- never numbered our church and all the churches which numbered are now online. So there are no numbers. Okay. Online church is a very good thing because there are no numbers. Okay. <clears throat> if you look at David's in Samuel, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So there's a whole record of plagues and there is a whole lot of different things people had to do before the plague stayed. Okay, So you have to personalize it. So we will go back to the solution. Because we only see the problem. We only see the problem. We don't see the solution. Only God has the power to stay. No leader, no government. If this Plague goes six months, a year later, it will come back in another form. Next time it will kill 100 million. If this takes away 75, next one will kill more. So no government authority, medical authority, when vaccine is found for this, another one will come for which no vaccine is available. Okay. So please remember. Remember Psalm 103 verse 7. 
God showed his ways to and okay so you need a solution you need to know God's ways don't ever in any problem however small it is in your life or however big it is across the world universal try to find a solution to a problem that skirts God's righteousness and his holiness don't do that that's not a solution you're just postponing the destruction That's why the vaccine for the flu doesn't work for COVID-19. You were vaccinated for flu, but that vaccine didn't work for this. So don't ever try to find a solution to any problem, small or big, which skirts this righteousness or holiness of God. Because you never know, like we heard a couple of Sundays back, when a nation or even the whole world, reaches tipping point. I believe the world had reached a tipping point. And God said, okay, if you look at it, the air is clean, the rivers are clean, pollution is in there, streets are empty, people are spending time in their homes, movie theaters are shut, cruise ships are not going, gambling dens are all shut down. Bars are closed. And those who are going to the beverages stores in Kerala to buy liquor are maintaining six feet distance and standing. What a virus can do, right? Don't learn the lessons you learned as while this virus lasts. There are lessons to be learned. So let's go back to the solution in Second Chronicles chapter 7. First thing he says is, then the Lord appeared to him, Solomon, by night, <clears throat> and I have heard your prayer, and he says, I have chosen this place. For myself. First thing he says, I have chosen this place. This is the dedication of the temple. I have chosen this place. For myself. As a? As of what? Okay. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were brought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the temple has changed. So don't read Old Testament without understanding its ramifications in the new covenant. Okay. He says, I have chosen you. As a house of for what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. In James chapter, sorry, John chapter 2, after the wedding at Cana, everybody is feeling so good because of the wine they have had. Jesus goes to Jerusalem and makes them sober. Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, poured out the changes' money, overturned the tables, and he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So one of the first acts of Jesus in his ministry was to clean the temple out. If my people were called by my name, Okay, he says, I have chosen this house. Put my name on it to be house of sacrifice. 
Romans 12:1 and 2. How well we know this, right? Offer. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I have chosen this house to be a house of sacrifice. Do you think, do you really, really think we can understand the will of God unless we are willing to sacrifice? I mean, we all of you are sacrificing for for your board exams and a career and everything. You're all sacrificing, right? Do you think you can? Without sacrificing for God? It will cost your body. By the renewing of your mind. Think about it honestly. Now God is, government is making it possible for us to spend more time with God. But the question is, will we? Do you think prayer is really easy? Do you think study of the word is very easy? Do you think seeking his face is really easy? That is why the restrictions of the government does not apply to us in the new covenant because we are the temple. We don't need a building to gather. Oh, Sunday service has been cancelled so I don't have to worship today. Who told you? So your worship is associated with a place? No? Because verse 13 is very clear, right? In Hebrews 13, sorry, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says, what does that temple do, that house do? Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. When you have a body and a mind that has been offered to God, you don't have to worry about singing. It will automatically come. You don't have to conjure it up. It will be there because you are the temple of God. And sacrifice is a natural outflow. Otherwise we'll sacrifice to Kohli. Kohli will get whitewashed in New Zealand and our sacrifice finisher. <laughs> because Second Chronicles 7.13 is very clear. This is the absolute sovereignty of God. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, I command the locusts to devour the land. I send pestilence among my people. It is he. Even if it escaped from a lab in Wuhan or came from the meat market there, it can only escape because God took his hand off. Because he said, not even a hair from your head falls. All of us woke up this morning absolutely sure, maybe for a few ladies, nobody checked their pillows to see how many hair fell, but God knew. God knew. So be very clear about this. Whether you are facing a small issue in your life or a pandemic of this universal scale, God is the only one who can actually stop it. But did you hear any call for prayer except from one president for last Sunday from any nation? 
Don't hear this call for prayer as if everybody is embarrassed to include God into the picture. That if you bring God into the picture, you will be you look like a retard in this post-modern society. Don't bring God in. You're a fool. Science is the God. We are investing in science and vaccines. All good. And he's not asking anybody. He's just asking his people. My people who are called by my name. Because everyone does not have solutions or access. And to his people he asks four things. You humble. You pray. You seek. You turn away from your wicked ways. And he says, I will do three things. I will hear. I will forgive your sins. And I will heal. That's that's the order. Don't change the order. So the first thing God tells us to have a solution is, that's our problem. Our problem is, first thing, what does he say? Pray. No. He doesn't say pray. Everybody prays. Very few humble. Humble means simply means, simple meaning of humble means come under. One of the most interesting statements about Jesus Christ is found in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. Because you want to, uh, we want to know practical, no? What is humbling? Philippians 2 8. And being found in appearance as a man. As soon as he became a man, God became flesh, he humbled himself. How do you know he was humble? Because he was obedient. How do we, we are not humble? Because we are disobedient. Interesting statement about Jesus. As soon as he became human, he humbled himself and he obeyed him. He obeyed his father all the way to death. Because humility and obedience goes together. Humility is the attitude of the heart. Obedience is the outworking of it. Both has to be there. Both has to be there. You can have outward obedience without inward humility. And you can have an inward humility without outward obedience. It still does not work. So there are no quick fix solutions. Because there are no quick fix solutions in the kingdom of God. That skirts his holiness and his righteousness. We look for verses which say, just pray. You'll get an answer. Love it. Just confess. Just proclaim. Just pray. Just confess. Just declare. That's why we like that preaching. Because one thing that is not demanded out of it all is what? You don't have to? Sacrifice. You don't have to humble yourself. Not sacrifice. You don't have to humble yourself. Somebody says, just pray. Just confess Psalm 91 over your life. How easy, right? No mask, no sanitizer, just Psalm 91. Even if you don't know any other Psalms, everybody knows Psalm 91 now. Current favorite is 91. (laughs) Before this came, favorite was 23. (laughs) At least... One good thing is that because of calamities, people are learning Psalms. Did he say straight away, I will hear from heaven and heal your land? No, he didn't say that. I said, I will hear from heaven, first forgive your sins. 
then heal your lands. See, we want healing without forgiveness. Just don't bring sin into the picture. Because when sin comes in, then his righteousness, his holiness, everything comes into the picture. So please stick, keep that out. You are my healer. Just heal me. Just heal me. So you need to realize there is a problem. The problem is sin problem. The problem behind all this is sin. If there is no sin, there is no judgment. That's why incredibly righteous men like Nehemiah and Daniel and all, when they stood in the gap, they confessed their own sins. And identified with the sins of the people. And if you see, most pastors and all world leaders are very scared to address that matter. We want to skip over that and go straight away, Lord, heal this land. You will say, Lord, heal India. He said, what happened a few weeks back in Delhi? What about that? You forgot? 42 people died, right? You want me to skip over it? Did you remember that? The history of India? Old days when I used to preach, I will say that. You sit in a railway compartment, you are traveling from north to east, west to north, wherever in India, and imagine a 90-year-old man sitting over there, a 70-year-old man sitting over there, a 50-year-old man sitting here, a 30-year-old man sitting here, a 20-year-old man sitting here. This 90-year-old man could have been involved in the 1948 partition rights, raped and killed people, never caught, never punished. This man could have been caught in the riots in Delhi in 1984 where 3,000, 5,000 Sikhs were killed, raped, murdered, burned, killed, never caught, never punished. This fellow must have been in the Gujarat riots who killed, murdered, raped, never caught. And this man must have been done three weeks ago. Everybody is sitting in India free. And you are saying, Lord, heal the land? What do you think our God is? What do you think our God is? This is our issue. Let me see if I have it, if I can catch it up, because internet is there. Global news, coronavirus. Total deaths till now, 11,400. In how many weeks? But in one day, 1,50,000 babies will be aborted today. You want God to keep quiet? Heal our land. These issues don't matter to God. It doesn't bother us. You know what's happening in the American Congress when they are bringing this bailout 500 billion and 1 trillion packages and all. Whole set of people are fighting in that coronavirus package. Abortion should be included. That's funding for that. That is a right now. Killing babies have become a human right. You cannot skirt these problems. So when you and I pray, you cannot stand before God and say these things don't matter. It should matter. They may not repent. And God says, will you stand in the gap? Will you stand in the gap? See, nobody wants to talk about these things. But if you don't talk about these things now, when will you talk about these things? These are the reasons why which judgment will come. Because everybody is more worried about offending people than offending God. 
So repent is a very bad word. So first as pastors, will we humble ourselves before God and preach an unpalatable message? Humble ourselves. Unpalatable. Remember Deuteronomy 8.2 and 8.16? I led you into the wilderness to humble you. Test you. I led you. The first thing God was trying to do is to humble them. And 8.16, he says, again, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you. Let me ask you, in those 40 years, in spite of all this, did anybody get humbled? No. Don't ever think these plagues will humble people. So we have to humble ourselves. Don't expect these things to humble people. When these things happen, it is a sign to us, humble yourself. That's why we saw Philippians 2.8. What does it say? When he took the form of flesh, he and he he became obedient. And Hebrews five eight. Hebrews five eight. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he. Everybody is suffering. Nobody is in this situation. But are we learning more obedience? Sometimes it is, why this is important is, sometimes it is easier to learn something from the effects it causes. Meaning, all of us sitting here, what is paracetamol? We don't know its chemical combination. Dr. Richard may know and how it works chemically in the system, we don't know. But we know one thing, when you have fever, you take it, your fever goes. So we know paracetamol by its effects and not by its chemical composition and description and all that. We don't know. But we know by its effects. How do you understand humility by its effects? It's as simple as that. It's by its effects. Because if you want a solution... Even if you want to stay it in your own gully or locality. If you are able to stop it in your locality, the first thing God says is, humble yourself. Humble yourself. When you humble, when you and I humble ourselves only, we will understand God and His word and what He is trying to do, what He is trying to speak to us through different situations. We like Psalm 91. Right now, current favorite, top of the charts. <laughs> 16 verses are there in Psalm 91. How many verses? Four are for me. Twelve are for God. That's how you divide Psalm 91. 16 verses, 4 verses for me, 12 God will do. So you cannot randomly speak over it. God says, I will take the weight upon myself to do 12. You do 4. 
I mean, keep what is in those four. First is in Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. First he says, when you are in a particular state of being, this will be your confession naturally. You don't have to worry about it. This is a result of being in a particular condition. Your confession does not make your condition. Your condition makes your confession. Okay? And then you go to the next verse I gave you. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. You did this. You did this. And then, verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me. So we have to ask these questions. Have we made God our dwelling place? Did we set our love upon him before we speak Psalm 91 over our lives? This is not a mantra. We make fun of them. We also have our Jehovah mantras. They may have Gayatri. We have Jehovah mantras. It doesn't work like that. The 12 things which God's internal verses connected with God. I don't have to worry about God's side at all. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells. Yeah, that's the whole thing. He who dwells in the secret place. Now in this current situation, we have to learn not to visit the secret place. Dwell in the secret place. You know, it takes a whole lot of humility to dwell under somebody's hand. It takes a whole lot of humility. That's why God says, humble myself first. And dwell in the sixth day. Stay there consistently in this secret place. Let it be a, that will be a state of mind, your life. Secret place. We all like secret places. Matthew 6 verse 4. Matthew 6, verse 6, first 6, 4. That your charitable deed may be seen in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will himself reward you openly. 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room, when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And then, 16, or 6, 17 to 18. But you, when you fast and anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Talks about three things. Giving, praying, and fasting. Giving. See, when coronavirus has hit the world and the city, if Everybody is worrying about taking, that is talking and holding. Is anybody, anybody worried about giving? We are all worried about taking, right? Stalking, holding. But if you and I dwell in the secret place, we should be more concerned about giving, right? So if our habit is if a part of a lifestyle is praying in secret, quarantine should be welcome, right? Work from home, it's a joy. 
But if playing was the habit, then quarantine is miserable. We are more worried about eating and not about fasting, right? In Psalm 35 and verse 13, the psalmist says, we'll come to that later, but one thing. As for me, when they were sick, I clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. Okay. Look, I worry about food, not mine. Worry about, like I was telling my wife, we got all these 40 children we need to take care of. Buy for them, buy for them, buy them, stock, pediatrician, diapers, emergency medicine, still yesterday. Bye, 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 bye. Let me tell you honestly this problem. As God's people, if you're used to what dwelling in the secret place is, one of the facets is fasting. Three-day fasting, seven-day fasting, 14-day fasting, 21-day fasting, 40-day fasting. If fasting is your lifestyle, does 14 days matter to you? You see, it shouldn't bother us at all. Why are we panicking? How long will the government shut down a city? 21 days? Cool. i got 21 days to fast. All I need is water. 40 days? Is any city going to be shut more than 40 days? No. I'm used to. Two times, three times, four times in my life we have fasted 40 days. Good. My question is, what are we panicking about? Our focus is completely wrong. We are panicking exactly like the world. Instead of seeing it as an opportunity, government mandated sickly, sit at home and fast for the next seven days. I don't need to stock so much. I need water. Why are we not seeing it differently? Or are we just afraid like them, the world? Oh, quarantine, quarantine. 14 days, 7, self-quarantine. 21 days, 30 days. Did you read Isaiah? 2620. Come my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as it were for a little moment until the indignation is past. We are used to quarantine because we see the hand of God. God says, get into your sacred places, stay there until my wrath is over. Quarantine yourself, go into fasting and prayer. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you all this. This is God ordained quarantine in the Bible. Do we see stuff that is happening right in the world with different eyes? We are worried more about eating when we should be concerned saying, I got an opportunity to fast. Are we stalking? (laughs) We look at all the people panicking, perishing, dying, In India, elsewhere. See, don't go by these records. Don't say, only 20 died. No, nobody knows how many died. Because only 20 who died were tested. There are no testing kits available to test to find out. You can go to any one of these medical diagnostics. They cannot test for COVID. Right? They cannot. They don't have the testing kit for that. So people are dying in hospitals without being diagnosed. It is this disease. So how many tens and thousands and millions have died? Nobody knows. Only one thing they say is by the cemeteries and the crematoriums, it's spike. They say we know more people have died than official figures. 
Okay. So people are dying. What is our response? We read, we read Psalm 35, right? Now read the whole context. Why did he humble his soul with fasting? Incredible Psalm. Ruthless witnesses came forward. They questioned me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave my soul forlorn. Wicked people have gathered against me, says the psalmist. I believe it's David. Yet when they were ill, when my enemies were ill, what did I do? I put on sackcloth, humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about Mourning as though for my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. This is a man of God. The whole world is perishing under a plague. They may have been enemies, meaning persecuting the church. But now when they are sick, God says, do you see the heart of my servant? Do you see the heart of my servant? He says, this is what I expect from people who live in the secret place. This is the actual outpouring of a life. Yes, they are not our friends. They attack churches all over, shut down, beaten up, burned Bibles. All these things are happening. But now that they are ill, what do we do? And we prayed. He did not answer. And we say, it is God's will. No. How did he walk? My friend, my brother, my mother. This is an old covenant saint. So what is our response to CV? Global response and church response are two different things. My people call by my name. That's why every calamity is an opportunity to draw closer to God and draw His life and change the entire trajectory of your life. But unless we see these truths, we will not understand. You know, it doesn't matter what we were earlier. Today, we learn new truths. And we cannot change on our own. But once you know the truth, you say, Lord, you know what? This is the truth. This is what I want to be. Someday, I want to be like this. Let me start on this journey. I want to be a man after your own. Why did God call him a man after God's own heart? You could begin terribly, like Aaron did. Aaron began terribly. First time Moses is not with him, he just crumbled under pressure. He's a very weak leader. Very weak leader. He needs Moses beside him. When Moses decides him, Moses says, he speaks. Moses is away, he doesn't know what to say, what to do. Moses is gone. He comes, messes up Israel, makes that golden calf. People worship, they debauchery. God judges 3,000 people die. Moses is mad at him. He says, my Lord, what could I do? They forced me. He's a weak man. Next time again, you will see in Numbers 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. So you know immediately the leader is Miriam and not Moses, uh, Aaron. He got his, allowed his sister to coerce him. Come with me. We need to confront this younger brother of ours. Weak man, very weak man. He couldn't stand with God against the people or his own sister, whether in the family or outside. He was an incredible weak man. And we know that because when we read verse 9 to 10, when God comes there, 
you know the anger anger of the lord aroused against them and he departed and when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle suddenly miriam became leprous as white as snow and aaron turned towards miriam and there she was a leper so you know she was the instigator it was not aaron who was leprous it was miriam he was the one who she was the one who started it but even that man will end very well there is rebellion Nathan uh, Korah Abiram go down people see that they scream they howl they shout next day they again come against Moses this is what i'm saying people are hardened calamity after calamity after calamity and calamity is not making people more and more humble it's making them more and more stubborn that's my fear for the church my fear for the church is we are seeing all these things it is not making people take one step closer into the prayer closet or the word start changing lifestyles we are still leaning upon the arm of flesh to come through this start changing their real radically changing their lifestyle because what we have is god says you had 24 hours now i'm giving you quality time even you're gone your office will say work from home government will say don't get out of the house and if you get out of the house there is nothing for you to do i have shut down everything will you please come and sit with me we still want So the government of Germany has to ask Netflix please stream yours not at HD quality because we are asking the people to work from home so if they are all watching movies the internet will crash So until this crisis is over can you put it at what 470 or whatever huh 480 don't put it HD quality why people are locked in in their houses watching movies Sometimes God has long white hair ancient no of days will I call him as you pulling is a what more can i make do this people do Now the plague comes and the people are dying After all this they turn against Moses and Aaron and number says Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned towards the tabernacle of the meeting Suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meet And Lord spoke to Moses saying get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment and they fell on their face He says get out get out I want to destroy this people They fell on their faces before God And so Moses said to Aaron take a censer put fire in it from the altar put incense on it take it quickly to the congregation make atonement for them for the wrath of god has gone out from them plague has begun this is why you need to know you need to have a man who knows the ways of god god is saying one thing he's doing the opposite because he understands god he says god says stand aside i'm going to destroy this people he tells his brother run bring the incense run where the plague has started for the first time you will see aaron being a leader You know what he did? Aaron took it as Moses commanded, ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put incense and made atonement for the people. Verse forty-eight is the most beautiful. It will be the epitaph. If Aaron had a grave, I will put that there. Sixteen forty-eight is his line. How he finishes, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. So how a man finishes? How he began? how it finishes the plague is going on like plague like you no know, people are dying 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 i think 14700 or something that dying in the thousands they are dying and the plague is killing everybody he stands right in the middle 
That's what Jesus did. He did right in the middle. The death stopped. Right in the middle. So you can turn a calamity into a triumph in your own locality. If God sees you standing in the middle between the dead and the living. And only we know the truth. We know the source. We have the access. And God says, what are people doing? Why are not my people? Don't you see the heart of David who went on mourning when his enemies died? When they became ill? They were being destroyed. Don't you see Aaron was a weak man stand there between the dead and the living and the plague just stopped. He was not afraid to run to the middle of the plague. If my people are called by my name. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. In prayer, in fasting, giving of ourselves. If an actual lockdown comes for 14 days, the question is, after the lockdown is lifted, would our lives have changed radically? Even secular people are asking, after the virus is over, will the world have changed radically? Or will they just people go back to their old lifestyle? Because governments will say, government will say, please, 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 book a vacation, book a vacation. We have to lift all the airlines from the red. Take a cruise, please, please, please. Travel, hotels have to build, tourism industry. Say, will, will life change? Will we just go back to our old lifestyle? Will we have learned the lessons of the plague? Will we change? Men, will we change? Because it has to start with men, right? Can't charge start with women. It's to start with us. Will our prayer life change? Fasting life change? Above all, our word life change? Matthew 5 verses 1 and 2. Again, very familiar portion. Please read somebody. Seeing the multitude. Seeing the multitude he went upon the mountain. He Men, will you take that extra effort, sacrifice to go up, sit with him so that you can be taught of God? It's extra effort. They went up the mountain to sit with him. We want him to come down and teach him. You listen, you receive a teaching, but that's not from God. That's from man. You want a teaching from God, you have to be willing to go that extra sacrifice. And I'm talking to men now. Specifically to men. Even if women are listening, it's to men. Because the headship, the first thing about headship is men has to be taught. Right? It doesn't matter how good your muscles are if your head is empty. That's why we send our children to school and not to the gym. <laughs> if muscles are not important, we would all send our children to the gym. No, we send them to school. Can men be taught? Will you take that extra effort? Because if you are not taught, how do you lead? To lead you need something here, no, between your ears. 
to lead your family in God's ways. Everybody is leading, but which way? Can we pray? First Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. I desire therefore that men pray. Lifting up holy hands. We thought. Because God knows men well. He says anger is our major issue. Doubting is secondary. First is issue. Issue is anger. He says can, can you just lift up holy hands. And pray he says. Right. You wash our hands with sanitizer. That only made it clean outwardly. I'm talking to men. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 35. He asked the first question, can we be taught? Women, if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, I'm not talking to the women here. I'm talking to the men. Can men teach their wives? Men tell their wives, listen to me. But what are they listening to? In the church, the apostle is saying, please don't sit here and ask questions. If you ask, or if you have any questions, ask your men. Because he should be teaching you. He should know enough scripture to teach you. The ways of God. So the question to men, unmarried, learn now, married. Are you able to teach your wife the ways of God? And the question to women is, will you allow your husband to teach you? Because many many women have one physical husband and many spiritual husbands. They listen to every other man on YouTube except their husband. Breaking the commandment of God. Because the purpose of man hearing from God and woman hearing from man is that these three will become one. That the threefold cord cannot be broken. Man listens to BBC News and woman listens to Derek Prince. What house is that? Because 14 days are coming. And like China, don't apply for divorce. Because you suddenly discovered your spouse under quarantine. Efficient 6-4. Six, 6-4. Four. Six, four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In most homes, mothers teach their children and not fathers. Fathers teach them cricket, cards, how to gamble. Some fathers go even small. Come here. Take, take a drop of my liquor. Take but scripture says about Christian homes. The husband teaches the wife. The husband teaches the children. I'm asking to men. That's why God is giving quarantine. Start where it matters. Because ultimately, every lane is a set of homes. The basic unit is the home in God's kingdom. It's a home. 
we are looking at the big picture global pandemic is it global pandemic no every home is gone and i'm trying to do stuff to restore the homes so the nation can be restored that's the problem see we don't want an answer to a pandemic like this we want an answer just give us few mantras we'll speak and the pandemic just goes away and our lives remain unchanged because we love what we are god says but i don't love what you are cuz we should not be worried about death the end of the pandemic is death right we are one set of people who is not even worried about death because he's taken care of death our focus should not be on the pestilence or death our focus should be what are you trying to tell me through all this because every crisis is a call to seek the lord if my people humble pray seek humble pray seek humble pray seek right and turn away from your wicked ways see you cannot turn away from your wicked ways until you have done the first three because if you don't humble pray and seek you may not know your wicked ways but when you humble pray and seek even your good ways will start looking wicked as we come to the kind of conclusion i don't have to send you because you have nowhere to go anyway <laughs> lunch is there you can't say i have to hurry back for what <laughs> to cast the virus on the way no stay still in revelation chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 revelation chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 I join both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Okay? He's a companion in these three things. If we are not part of these three, he's not our brother. Don't call him brother John. Okay? Okay? Don't say brother John. He say I don't know you. If you are part of this, he is part of us. For us on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. technically not for 14 days for many years he was quarantined in this rocky island with no fellowship nothing i was in the spirit on the lord's day and i heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet so one man is seeking the lord technically if we were in his place we wouldn't seek what is more to seek and a little later he starts getting revelation of churches he's the last apostle living everybody else is dead so through the last apostle god gives a judgment of the churches that are there and historically speaking how churches will fall out in time okay it's interesting in chapter 2 verses 2 to 4 through john the because after he wrote saw this and wrote this this scroll i don't know maybe a month two months three months one year later must have reached ephesus and the pastor of ephesus is reading this scroll 
when he is reading this scroll, he is feeling good. Wow! Apostle John heard from the Lord and saw this vision about my church. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles or not. Have found them liars. You have persevered, have patience, have labored for me, for my name's sake, have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Boom! Did you see? He heard. He heard. And this church which is very good and was actually good because one man heard he was able to reveal their one wicked way. One wicked way. If John hadn't heard, they would not have known that their way is wicked. If my people who call by my name humble themselves, pray, seek, when you do humble, pray and seek, he will reveal our wicked ways. And we will not know our wicked ways unless he shows it to us. And suddenly this church, which is looking so good, realizes one way is wicked. And that is a really, really wicked way. You have fallen for your first love. In verse 5, God says, Therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Right? That's what he tells in Chronicles also. Yeah, um, 7, right? I will forgive your sins. If you repent, I will forgive your sins. Right? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That is repent. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. But the question is, did Ephesus repent? No. And Ephesus was swept away. Swept away. With all the good works, they were swept away. This is what God is talking about. Everything that God is doing is to bring us back to God. Everything God is doing. So don't please forget the purpose of the pestilence and the troubles and the stuff that we are going through. If we are not willing to sacrifice for God, body, and mind. Because it will take an enormous amount of labor for many of you to sit with this and study. It doesn't come easy. And start getting our minds reoriented into the ways of God or oriented into the ways of God. We will also be swept away. God is not a respecter of persons. Swept away. This pestilence will go. We may escape this. But we may not escape the next one. In the book of Amos. In chapter 4. Verses 6 to 12. Also I gave you cleanliness of teeth in all your cities. And lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me. He's talking about everything that you're talking about. Nothing to eat. And you don't have anything to eat, you don't have to brush your teeth. Your teeth is so clean. Nothing is caught in between. I give you clean teeth. <laughs> Lack of bread. In all your places. I caused you real hunger. Hoping that will cause you to humble and say, Lord have mercy. Did you come back to me? No. 
You didn't. I withheld rain from you. When there were still three months to the harvest, when you actually needed the rain, I kept rain away from you. Remember? That's what's Chronicle 7. Withheld rain, locusts, pestilence. We saw before our eyes, first California burning and then Australia burning. Burn, 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 burn. Finally, God sent rain. And the, the fire went out only because of the rain, not because of all the governments trying to help Australia. Finally, God sent rain. And the rains put the fire out. Right? You're seeing before our eyes. Fire first. Then we heard locusts from Punjab all the way to east. And then we hear pestilence. Order seems to still be the same. So nothing has changed in history, right? Rain? Locus, pestilence. When he withholds rains, what happens? You have wildfires. Everything goes dry. All it takes is one spark. One spark. Okay. So, so some of you who lose your temper, the spark is because you are very dry. You need rain. Okay. I withheld rain from you when there was, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon where it did not rain. The part withered. I was trying to catch your attention through all this. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. You still didn't return to me. I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So you see, God does not just casually allow calamities to come. The purpose behind every calamity is that we would return to him. Return to him. The only purpose is that, you see, I'm trying to catch your attention. The only way I can catch your attention for your soul to return to me is to pinch your body. This all affects the body. You're so bodily creatures. So if I have to get your attention that your soul returns to me, I have to do something that touches your body. But that you feel immediately. <sighs> Touch your body you immediately. But the purpose was that you would come back to me with your soul. But you don't. I send among your plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I kill, killed with a sword. Along with your captive horses, I made a stench of your camps come up to your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. That's what he's telling Christian nations. Primarily to Christian nations, he's speaking much more than to us. America, where are your young men? All gone to drugs. Finished. A generation hooked. Gone. And then I sent pestilence. Are you still crying out to me? No. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a firebrand plucked from burning. Meaning you were just like Lot. You should have burned but I just plucked you out. Yet you have not returned to me. Therefore thus will I do to you O Israel. Because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God O Israel. Don't worry about what the plague is doing to our bodies. We have to look at our reaction in our soul. And if we don't react in our souls like Israel, then we didn't learn the lesson. The response of the plague by the world and the church differs. The world fears. 
the church hears. Do you hear me? Prime Minister said tomorrow curfew from 7 p.m., 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. And he said at 5 p.m. everybody should come out of their hands and clap. For what? For all the essential workers who are risking their lives to save life, which is where the medical profession, doctors, nurses, they are. They are on duty. Now, UK government has called around 600,000 retired doctors and nurses to come back to work. On call. They are there. They are falling out of fatigue and tiredness trying to save lives. Medical professions are not enough. He said, for all these people who are standing, giving, risking their own lives, working 24-hour shifts, he says, what you should do, you should come and clap your hands. You see, they are all, and we should, incredible job they are doing everywhere in the world, incredible sacrificial labor. For what? To save our body. But for 2,000 years or 6,000 years, God's servants have been trying to save our souls. And I didn't see anybody clapping for them. They were killed. They were mocked. They were stoned. They were slaughtered from Abel onwards. But what they were trying to do was something bigger than saving of your body. It was the saving of your soul. Because there is only one set of people who can stay the hand of God. That's what we saw about Aaron in number 1648. Aaron was the first high priest who was supposed to make atonement for Israel. So he stood bravely with the altar of incense right in the middle. People were dying. And where he stood, death stopped. This side was living, that side died. He stood and stopped. But we are of a priesthood greater than of Aaron. Of the line of Melchizedek. Which never ends. God says, you talk about and confess I am a royal priesthood. But do you stand between the dead and the living? Do we stand between the dead and the living? When I was preparing this message, the last picture God gave me was this. He says, think about this, son. This pandemic becomes worse. Really, really worse. So you saw in Italy, first curfew, then complete lockdown, now martial law, you cannot get up your house, the cops, policemen, now yesterday they have called in the army. Now, army, the soldiers to come over. Okay, that's ultimately that will happen. But you need to realize, you can call the doctors, you can call the nurses, you can call the the cops, policemen, you can call the soldiers. But all of them are vulnerable to the same disease. So the doctors die, the cops die, the soldiers die, and the people are dying. Where will you and be? God says, will you go into the midst of the plague because you are not afraid of death? Will you go? Because you are not afraid of death. That's what they did in Wuhan. The Chinese Christians. They were not afraid. They took scripture on one hand and food in the other. And they went and knocked and passed it on. They were not afraid. 
and everybody was fleeing. They did not flee. They fled in the wrong direction. People were fleeing out. They were going in. That's the story of the story, church history story of Peter, right? At the end, Peter was to be killed and Peter was running from Rome. And he saw somebody going in. So he asked who it is. And Jesus said, it's me. And he said, Lord, where are you going? He says, to take your place. I'm going to take your place. You're running. I'm going in to take your place. Somebody has to die. It's a story. You have to realize, this may pass, next one will come. You will go back and hear the history of the church. History of the church has always reacted. Those who knew the Lord reacted in calamities like that. They were not afraid. They walked right in. They walked right in. Because they knew. That's what I said you have to hear. Don't do it by presumption. But you are always knowing that. Know what? I'm not afraid of death. At the end of all, this is death. But my God took care of that first. Any man who believes in me, he will not die. Even if he dies, he will love. So we are not afraid of death. So we look at all this differently. You are caught in a situation, your next door neighbor has no food. Okay, you can take mine, because I am used to fasting anyway. It doesn't bother me. But one meal, two meal, it doesn't mean three meal, it doesn't matter. Why you have you have to have all these things already in your head? You don't just do things. Everything is done as you think, as a man thinks. So, yes. Everybody talks about oh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's great book, The Cost of Discipleship. But Bonhoeffer escaped from, not escaped, he was in England when Germany was taken over by the Nazis. He was a pastor. He was a pastor. And he was told by all of them, all the British pastors to, gave him good advice. Say, pastor, stay here, don't go back. Because after Hitler falls, you should go back and build your church again. He said, if I go back after Hitler is gone, I have no church to go back to. This is the time I need to be with them. He went and he was killed. He was hung by Nazi Hitler. No. Get your perspective right. Get your perspective right. This is the stuff the kingdom of God is made of. This is how you look at calamity. This is how you say, Lord, I'm ready for it. Like the government will call upon the doctors and the nurses and the policemen and the soldiers and tell them, no leave, this is your duty. We are much more duty bound. When they all fail, we are still duty bound. Because we serve a higher king and a greater kingdom. So as I close, we will read Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, and we will pray. See, right? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. That's exactly what's happened. Gloom and doom and darkness is covering. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. It's not that he will shine some light on our head and all. It actually shows in the way we walk. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We are practical. We wear a mask, we wash our hands and all. We are not being stupid also. But we are not afraid of death like people are. 
We are not hoarding of stuff because we are afraid. Yes, we are practical. We are people to take care of. We have to take care of all that. But one thing we do not have is that we do not have fear of death. For death is the best thing that can happen to a believer. He's going home. It's a departure. It's not escaping troubles. No, don't think about death that way. No, no, no. No, you're going home. And the Gentile shall come to your light. Gentile shall come to your light. People who do not know, sitting in darkness, in gloom, and this thing, when they see us, no, and they don't have to see us. Let God see us. Because we are all housebound. Start praying. Start praying. Start, men, start sitting and say, you know, you have no clue. When you wake up, let's say, Shravan, when little Ira wakes up, and she sees the father sitting there with her Bible, with his Bible and studying. And she sees the first day. She has what is that Bible? Second day, as she grows up, you have no clue what confidence it gives a child. No. The child sees the mother praying. The father studying the word. This is there. My father loves the Lord. My mother loves the Lord. They are secure. No. They have to see that. The children learn from seeing. They see. That's the security we bring into this world. When all these things are. Why? Because Jesus said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's what's happening. Everything. Almost you look at any facet of government. Tell me which facet of government is not shaken. Every facet of government is shaken. Everything which human governments sits on is shaken. Education system, board exams have been postponed. Your government won't do, the court will do it. Courts are shut down. Judges have run away. Everything has stopped. Nobody is talking about riots anymore. There is nobody to pick stones also. They also have disappeared. (laughs) Every sector has been shaken. Right? Every sector. Why everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And are we shaken is the question. Because you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And when you look inside you will know whether there is a kingdom or not. Okay, so when God is shaking the whole thing, only the kingdom people are not shaken. And even if they are shaken, they immediately come back to the word and they say, okay, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. He's in control. I know my God. I know my God. I know my God. He's shaking everything. Everything he's shaking. And God is saying, when I'm shaking is, this is a good time to introspect. This is a good time to look up. Good time to look up. Evaluate our lives. Don't let this, I'm telling you, I'm 55. In 55 years of my life, I've never seen anything like this. Nothing like this. And tell me, I know what news is. I read six international newspapers and five domestic every day. Online. I go through everything piece by piece to see what is working out. So I know what news is in all my life. I've never seen anything like this. Nothing like this. The whole world in the grip of fear. Absolute fear. And God says, it's not a sector that has not been affected. And he's saying, okay, the world may come through this. But that's not the point. We are not talking about the world. How will we come through this? Will our spiritual life have changed? 
will our prayer life have changed will our life word life have to be changed remember the danger jesus said about two judgments in the bible jesus said noah and lots people were eating drinking giving in marriage getting married buying selling planting building till the day the end came and suddenly they were all taken away meaning this was what occupying their minds mind was occupied by this occupied by these things of this this body and suddenly destruction came okay and what i see is that even when this whole thing is happening parents are more worried about the exams that are postponed than the child who doesn't go to church parents are more worried about marriages of their unmarried children than getting into the prayer closet and crying for the salvation of souls people are more worried about the money they lost in the stock market than worried about losing their soul see all this is not changing our priorities start changing and young people must be more worried that ipl has been postponed honestly it's time to evaluate our hearts the season evaluate when you are sitting at home and watching and listening or sitting here and listening or listen in the days to come this is time to introspect and see where where are my men especially men it all starts with men all starts with men it's only when men fail god raises women leaders and deborah has to rise hulda has to rise because men have gone disappeared out of the scene but it all starts with a man men have to go back to god use this time to lead and every leader was once a follower every leader was once a very good follower before he became a leader every leader and if you don't follow god your house will fall apart house will fall apart whether you're married or unmarried starts with you men learn spend time with god tomorrow is shut down 7 29 shut down curfew god ordained curfew not modi ordained god ordained curfew stay home spend time with god really spend time with god i know i am not asking you to read your bible because it's difficult listen to the old messages you all have internet listen to the old messages put on the headphones and listen to the messages we study we teach you listen it's not in the kingdom of god everybody studied on their own god put teachers over there they teach you listen make your notes you do it 7 days after some time you'll start liking the word it's like every food you liked it was not that you were born with it in your mother's womb no you ate and you liked and the more you ate the more you liked this is the season god is going to give you i'm telling you this is not the first shutdown another shutdown is coming if things become worse one day will become one week one week will become two weeks oh boy in two weeks you can come out of quarantine a different man a different man sold out 
Every sin has been identified and nailed to the cross. The word has become your delight. Prayer has become very fashionable in your life now. Not playing, but praying. Hmm? You can come out. Honestly, make use of this opportunity. God given opportunity. I don't say government given. God given opportunities. And those of you sit at home, start talking. Married. Start what? Talking. Start talking. Many of you are strangers in your own houses. Because you are afraid to talk. You have lived a covered up life for too long. And you are so scared to bring up issues. Your life is like this carpet. Looks very good outward. Roll it, you will see the dust underneath. Don't have the courage to talk. You make use of this time and say, you know what? I want to talk. I really want to talk. Because this has opened my eyes. None of these things which I do is important. Job is not important. The work I do is not important. What I realize is God and family is what is important. Most important. God and family. Not your work. You work for your family. You work unto God. I'm telling you men and women, sit down and talk. Talk and keep this in the middle so that you can agree. Because we all have opinions. God doesn't have an opinion. He does not have an opinion. He speaks. Amen? We will pray. Like I said, there was no prayer request today deliberately because there shouldn't be any prayer request right now. Everybody has only one request. One request. All over the world. There is panic. Absolute panic. Nobody knows how many lives will be taken by this virus. Lives we know. People we love. People we do not know. People we do not love. But it is a wake-up call to the church. We heard God speaking through his servant Amos, yet you did not return. It's not an angry refrain. It's a grieved refrain. I did everything I could do to get your attention, God is saying, yet you did not return. This is the time to return to God. Come back to Him. Put it right with Him. Ultimately, only one person matters. It's God. Put it right with Him. Restoration can come only from God. No government can restore. They can give subsidies. They can inject money into the market. They cannot inject life into the soul. That's the sole prerogative of God alone. Father, help us to make use of this time. You have divinely given the whole world, the whole church, 
Let us not go back to our idols. Let us hide in you. So in the midst of this plague, there is only one safe place. It is that secret place. And I pray once this plague is over, everybody would have that secret place. A place that God knows. Where you meet God daily. And put right things with Him. Hear from Him. And obey Him. And walk with Him. Get out of this religion called Christianity. And start this walk of faith. Pray, Father. For the devil meant for harm. You will turn it around for our good. And when this is over, we'll have a different church. A church who's on fire for God. A church who sets its love on you. Because he had made me his dwelling place. Because he has set his love on me. God said, in this hour of calamity, you will deliver us. Two things, Lord. Help us to stop visiting you. Help us to dwell with you. Help us to set our love on you and not on worthless things. Jonah discovered that secret from the belly of the womb of the fish, of the whale, the bottom of the sea. He discovered that those who set their heart on worthless idols will perish. Help us to set our heart on God. They who set their heart on you will never perish. For you said in your word, the world and its desires are passing away. But he who does the will of God will live forever. Let this be a training time for the soul. For all of us, Lord. Commit the church here, the church that is watching, and the church that will listen. All of us into thy hands, O Lord. We are safe when we are closest to you. So that even your discipline is light on us, Lord. So we will cling to you in the hour of calamity. As David said, if judgment has to come, I will fall under your hands, O Lord. For I know you are long-suffering and patient. And your mercies endure forever. Come under your hand. Do your work in us, Lord. Let the church emerge through this stronger than ever before, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Protect your children, your church. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the church. Because you have given me authority only over the church. The blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus over the church. And I rebuke this virus in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The word says, no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Maybe this virus was formed in a defense lab to kill people. But your word says, no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment, in we condemn it in Jesus' name. Maybe lying tongues have released this virus and is 
wanting to see God's people die. But we shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. This pestilence shall pass over us. A thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand the other side. But it will not come near us. Not because of who we are, but because of in whom we have chosen to dwell. As David said, I have made the secret place my dwelling place, the pavilion of the Lord. It will dwell in you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. I pray everyone will take advice today and cling to you. Let go of the idols of the heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you. By faith we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.